Welcome to Her Story, Ireland's Epic Women, a podcast dedicated to the women that shaped our history. This podcast is brought to you by Underground Films, Epic the Irish Emigration Museum, HerStory.ie and RTE, ahead of our TV series, Her Story, Ireland's Epic Women and RTE in Spring 2020. This podcast is hosted by Dr. Angela Byrne with additional storytelling from Tall Tales Podcasts. Content for this episode comes from Dr. Angela Byrne. Kathleen Yardley was born in County Kildare in 1903, the youngest of 10 children. Her Scottish mother and Irish father had an unhappy marriage. The family was wretchedly poor. Four of the 10 children died and their postmaster father abused alcohol. By 1908, her parents had separated and Kathleen and her surviving siblings were brought to Essex by their mother. Kathleen excelled through elementary and high school. She entered Bedford College, University of London at the age of 16, where she chose to read physics because she was worried that the only career open to women maths graduates was teaching, something that she didn't wish to do. In 1922, she received the highest grades in the BSc exams that had been seen at University of London for 10 years. And as a result, she was invited to join Nobel physicist Professor William Bragg's research school. This post brought an income of £180 per year, with which Kathleen helped her family. She was the only woman in a group of international researchers and she collaborated with international scientists to produce the International Tables, or Crystallographer's Bible, comprehensive tables for determining crystal structure. In 1927, Kathleen married Thomas Lonsdale. Contrary to her expectation that he might wish her to assume a traditional domestic role, he encouraged her to continue her scientific research. In the biography Catherine Lonsdale, author Dorothy Hodgkin notes the couple's quirks. They went shopping together once a week for supplies and Kathleen specialised in meals that took 30 minutes to prepare. Thomas set up some apparatus of his own design at home with which to measure the properties of annealed metal wires for his PhD degree. While he experimented in the evenings, Kathleen did calculations. In 1929, she made her first major discovery, solving an important question that scientists had been arguing over for 60 years. She demonstrated conclusively that the benzene ring was flat. Her later contributions to science included important investigations into natural and synthetic diamonds. By 1931, Kathleen and Thomas had two children. She worked on calculations at home for a time until Sir William Bragg intervened to secure her return to professional research by creating a position for her at the Royal Institution and he included provision for childcare in her contract. She worked there for 15 years. In the 1940s, she gained the recognition she so richly deserved. In May 1945, she became one of the first two women elected Fellow of the Royal Society, 300 years after the Society's foundation. A year later, she was appointed Reader in Crystallography at University College London 
and in 1949 she became the first ever woman professor at the university. She was also the first woman president of the International Union of Crystallography. According to Hodgkin's biography, Kathleen's passion for science was paralleled by her rising interest in pacifism. Her opposition to war began to form during her childhood in the 1914-18 war. Her home lay on the Zeppelin route. Kathleen remembered often doing her homework with a candle under the dining room table or in the early hours of the morning on account of air raids. Once when a Zeppelin was shot down in flames, her mother burst into tears and the children looked on in amazement as she said, Oh, the poor men, the poor men. But mother, we said, they are Germans. Yes, I know, she replied, but they are boys. Kathleen began to wonder then if war could ever be justified. One of the boys at the church she went to became a conscientious objector. Another, too sensitive, joined up, went mad and died insane. Her sister's fiancé was killed in France. Some of her early memories were of despair over her own religious doubts. Her upbringing by her mother as a strict fundamentalist Baptist conflicted with her natural scientific attitude of scepticism. She greatly loved and admired her mother but could not wholly follow her as she grew up. When Thomas came courting, the two of them went together to sermons in different churches every Sunday and particularly to J.B. Phillips in the Bloomsbury Tabernacle to help to resolve their problems. They found their natural home in the Society of Friends through friends they met in Leeds. A Quaker by convincement, she conscientiously objected to registering for civil defence service during the Second World War. And refusing on principle to pay the fine of two pounds, she spent a month in Holloway Prison. Kathleen was astonished by what she saw in the prison. She spent time with other prisoners and, according to Hodgkins, was moved to effect change in the system. She found it very absorbing talking to the other prisoners about their lives and crimes, though she thought it undesirable that all sorts of prisoners should be mixed up as they were then together. Many of the prisoners and some of the officers were very kind to her. She liked to tell how one fellow prisoner advised her not to leave anything lying about. There are thieves, dearie, even in here. At the end of her time, at his request, she wrote to the governor, Dr. Matheson, She thanked him first for letting her have her papers, commenting that as she managed to do about seven hours each day of really concentrated scientific work, other prisoners must have a good deal of empty time on their hands. She went on to discuss cell lighting, a difficult problem owning to the blackout, and finished with detailed suggestions for cleaning up the prison and improving the prisoners' lives, particularly allowing them some of their own belongings, including their combs and handkerchiefs. Many of the changes she suggested have been made since, further encouraged by herself when later she became a prison visitor. Her husband later reflected that prison was the single most formative period of Kathleen's life, fostering her lifelong interest in penal reform. She also became president of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom and published many articles on pacifism. Her 1957 book, titled Is Peace Possible?, cites Martin Luther King's non-violent civil rights movement and warned of the danger of nuclear weapons and the problems presented by the disposal of nuclear waste. 
she was also a witty person. When in 1966, a rare form of hexagonal diamond was named Lonsdaleite in her honour, she wrote, It makes me feel both proud and rather humble. The name seems appropriate since the mineral occurs in only very small quantities and is generally rather mixed up. Lonsdale made important scientific contributions, published prolifically and worked tirelessly for humanitarian goals. She advocated for women in science, publishing instructions on the topic in 1970. Her first piece of advice in that article was that a woman should choose a supportive husband, just as she had. Kathleen was a slight enigma, being both a Quaker and a scientist, something she references in an Arthur Stanley Eddington memorial lecture entitled I Believe in 1964. I have begun my lecture, I Believe. These rather personal words are fundamental both to scientific research and to religious seeking. I shall ask you to consider whether we use them in a different way in the two cases. They are even more fundamental to the bringing up of small children. And here I must certainly explain myself that I am not to be seriously misunderstood. Perhaps I can best do so by going even further back into my autobiographical story, because what we come to believe as adults is certainly conditioned in a positive or negative way by our background. My mother was a Baptist, not a strict Baptist in the sectarian sense, but certainly a convinced fundamentalist. My father was agnostic and he had no patience with my mother's religion. In particular, he strongly objected to her giving away any money, of which we had very little, for religious purposes. I loved and respected my mother. I was a little afraid of my father's temper and I had very little affection for him, although looking back I can see that he was hard-working and upright in many ways. His influence in my life was a curious one. I became a lifelong teetotaler largely because he was not. I have never even attempted smoking principally because he smoked so much. But he was a great reader and a natural mathematician. Our house was full of encyclopedias to dip in and out of books worth reading and my scientific turn of mind I believe I owe to him. She continued, If we knew all the answers there would be no point in carrying out scientific research. Because we do not, it is stimulating, exciting, challenging. So too is the Christian life, lived experimentally. If we knew all the answers, it would not be nearly as much fun. This show was brought to you by Underground Films, Epic The Irish Emigration Museum, HerStory.ie and RTE. Mixed and produced by Cassie at Tall Tales Podcasts and presented by Dr. Angela Byrne. If you like this story, subscribe for more on iTunes and Spotify and check out our TV series, Her Story, Ireland's Epic Women on RTE in Spring 2020. Her Story's score composed by Scott Marr and Ushin Murray.